You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky really excited about today's episode. Uh, as we know, the finals are over, which means it's time for uh, trades and free agency season, Andy, which means... Irresponsible a, season. I love that's it. That's right. We call it Lakers entitlement yes. season. That's yes. right. Lakers exceptionalism. All yes. of those things. It begins now because... We're taking uh, we, all your players season. That's there right. There's a damn thing you can Everybody. do about it season. Dame for a re-signed Markeith Morris. Let's do it. Um, it's, yeah. it's all on. Um, want to let you know that to uh, today's episode is brought to you by the live NBA draft show here at the Locked On Network. NBA draft goat Chad Ford, Locked On NBA draft ho host Rafael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the draft on the 29th. Again, it's the Locked On NBA Draft 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on the 29th at 7. Now, Andy and I, are, as people know, aren't necessarily very smart uh, when it comes to math. So uh, we find people who are because to understand what the Lakers might do as free agency approaches, you have to kind of know the rules and the landscape. Nobody does that better than our guest today, Danny LaRue. He is the salary cap and NBA guru at the, uh, guru at the Athletic. He hosts uh, the Dunked On podcast with Nate Duncan, and he's also the host of Real GM Radio. The last two of those you can find uh, wherever you get your podcast. Danny, so thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Um, all right, so as we mentioned, this is the time of year where the Lakers can have whatever they want because of we are the Lakers, and that's how the world works. It's the natural order of things. But we want to know specifically <laughs> how that happens, like you know the the machinations and the, and the cap math that ultimately allows the Lakers to you know run roughshod. Right? Over is it the Adam league. Silver or Rob Palenka who does the Obi Wan Kenobi fingers and just does the Jedi mind tricks on people to get them what they need? I mean, both. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, but I, I think the Lakers, it, it's interesting when you, when you think about it, because the, the NBA, I think the Lakers benefit as much of, as anybody from the flexibility of the structure. The, the NBA does not use what is called a hard cap. Like you could think of the NFL, I believe uses a version of that where it's, you have this line, you can't spend over that. The NBA uses what's called a soft cap. And what that means is there is a line and that's, you know, a cap space versus not cap space. But then there are exceptions, and those exceptions include retaining your own players. They include the mid-level exception, depending on what level you are. And so, those if if a team is willing to spend, and we'll I hopefully hopefully we'll cross that bridge. Um, if a team is willing to spend, they have more latitude than they do in some other leagues. And theoretically, a team that's willing to spend, like the Lakers, should be they they can do more with that than than others. So, like looking at it, because we want to get into some of the mechanics. Particularly, we get a lot of questions about sign and trades and things like that. And you can explain this stuff better than we can. So broadly, and we'll get to some of that. But like broadly speaking, where do the Lakers stand heading into free agency? How much flexibility do they have? What can they do? What can't they likely do? So there, I think there are two big points to kind of lay out for the Lakers. So one is the idea of kind of cap space versus the tax. So the Lakers. This is what happens when you pay LeBron James $41.2 million, you pay Anthony Davis $35.4, you're probably not going to have cap space. And so if everybody left, you know, if you cleared the decks other than 
the guys that they have under contract, guaranteed contracts, the Lakers would be actually roughly at the salary cap line. And so what that means is in order to actually clear salary cap space, it's kind of difficult. So that means that, you know, you'd be trading guys that are under contract. You'd be maybe waving and stretching, something like that. Possible, but difficult. Instead, what the Lakers will more likely do is function as an over-the-cap team, and that allows them to do a couple of different things. They can use one of the mid-level exceptions. I'll explain that later. That allows them to retain their own players um, or, and as you mentioned, sign-and-trades. I'll get into that in a little bit. Do that through sign-and-trades. So the Lakers, it doesn't seem like they're they're going to have you know $30 million to just get whoever they want. They don't have to deal with anybody else. Just sign them outright. But that's okay, not only because there are other ways that they can add talent, but also because this year's class doesn't really have those players. You know, like, yeah, sure, if you could add Kyle Lowry for nothing or Mike Conley for nothing, great, more power to you. But it isn't that type of class. This isn't, you know, there aren't that many super mega stars and there aren't that many that are on the younger side. Not that the Lakers have to go that way when your best player is 36 turning 37. You don't know how long the window is going to be. But the Lakers are, I would say, the operating assumption should be that they will function as an over-the-cap team. Um, with that in mind, too, can you can you break down specifically how the Lakers' cap affects what they can do, can't do with sign-in trades? You know, whether who they're bringing in, sending out because of luxury tax, cap paper, and triggers all that. And you know, uh, it's complicated to understand. It can get granular, but the the Lakers are a team that you're already seeing in silly season getting linked to a lot of different sign-in trade scenarios. And at least in our understanding, it may not be that simple. It is not. And so the the thing to remember, and it's funny because I, I live geographically closest to the Warriors and Warriors fans have been hard, have had trouble with this for years because of their spending issues. The way that this works, if you, you can sign and trade your own players, assuming everybody's on board, there are no consequences to your team structure like that. You can create a trade exception. You can do anything else. What triggers the difficulty is acquiring, bringing in a player via sign and trade. And so if you bring in a player via sign and trade, then you are subject to what's called the hard cap. And so with the hard cap, the basic idea behind it is the NBA wanted, and this is owners and players negotiating, they wanted teams that have a, that are really spending a lot of money, teams that are deep into the tax, to not have the same tools that everybody else does. You know, they get a smaller mid-level exception. They get all these other things. And so the way that they enforce that is by, if you use one of those tools, like using the full mid-level or acquiring a player via sign-and-trade, you can't go too far into the tax. And so the hard cap for the NBA, it's, it changes year by year, but it's roughly $6 million over the tax. But an important consideration there for the Lakers and any other team is that the difference between the hard cap and everything else is that it's the maximum amount under any circumstance. So that means if you have a player who has a $2 million unlikely bonus, so there's a half of a 1% chance that, that this guy makes the all-star team. But he has that bonus anyway because then the agent, when they sign the contract, could say, see, it's worth $80 million instead of worth 78 Right. Those count for the hard cap. So there could be circumstances, and I don't know the nuances. Fortunately, LeBron and Anthony Davis probably have basically none of those. Because Danny, most, why- most people don't know this, but uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope gets a million and a half dollars if he's named ambassador to Denmark. <laughs> there uh, we go. Very unusual contract stipulation. So that would count. Yeah, that would count. And, and so I, that is a real a real challenge in certain circumstances. Incidentally, one of the big ones was Drew Holiday, who just one of those cashed with the Bucks when they won the championship. And so that could matter in certain circumstances. I know Schroeder had some, so that mm-hmm. mattered for the Lakers. That mattered for the Lakers last year. But 
That only so basically the only way the Lakers could trigger the hard cap would be acquiring a player via sign and trade, or theoretically, if they wanted to use the larger mid level exception, I'm assuming that they probably won't be able to unless a lot of guys leave. But theoretically, let's say Dennis Schroeder really wants to play somewhere else, and whether that team has cap space or they don't, yeah, the Lakers they they might need to send a little a small asset back, like a you know mediocre second round pick or something like that. Then what they could do is theoretically, they could they could do that. They could create a trade exception that they could use then for somebody else over the, over twelve months. You have twelve months to use a trade exception, and that wouldn't trigger anything for them. Like they could do that. They could do that with so they, so if they if they send guys out, Dennis Schroeder, they could you know they theoretically you could sign and trade Alex Caruso. You could sign sure. and trade Tht Taylor Horton Tucker. You can do that kind of stuff without without sort of. Triggering really anything. restricting yourself in, in ways the Lakers, from a practical standpoint, can't. Exactly. Um, well, okay. one, one, not one modification there. Um, the, only, the only reason that it could be relevant is that you have to be able to sign the player to that contract. So the, the big one there is Montrez Harrell. So the Lakers only have what are called non-bird rights on him. So if Harrell signed for more, that, more of a raise than the Lakers could give him, then you can't you can't get that benefit because that's like having right. your cake and eating it too. Like but, you can't sign a guy to a contract and then trade you know for a contract that you weren't allowed to sign it to. But the minute Harold if Harold were to opt in, which he might because the market for him is dicey, I would say potentially, the minute he opts in, the Lakers could because I don't think he wants to be here. He doesn't doesn't really present a vibe of like I want to be a Laker for life. Um, it's just just well, me talking. Well, in fairness, he might want to be a Laker for life with a different coach, right? You okay, know, that's if, if they were willing to replace, or, or knowing Vogel. that he had a starting spot or something else. Yeah, yeah. something, whatever that might be. The second he opts in, the Lakers could do. He could opt in with the understanding that the Lakers would then trade him. That all that's allowed, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so the reason Harold might not do that is just it limits his flexibility because then the Lakers have complete control. They could say, we want to do you a solid. It could be a circumstance of you, maybe you can't get that kind of money and you're going to sacrifice some latitude. But yeah, I mean, that is so basically he would then function just like anybody else, like Kyle mm -hmm. Kuzma or like Contavious Caldwell Pope. And you can trade that player without their consent. Now, you can you can obviously want to do right by them and you could you could do all that and that could be... It's like a sort of like it is legal, but it like an inducement. Basically, you know, I can do that. And for the Lakers, the the real challenge with Montrezl Harrell then in that circumstance is then what is what is something that is acceptable for all parties? You know, kind of right. that sense. So does you know if you if you, they want to trade Harrell to a team with cap space, then that team with cap space is going to want to have to have used nine point seven million of that on Montrezl Harrell. If it's to a team that doesn't have cap space, then you're going to need to have matching salary come back unless they have an exception. And then right. that creates a different challenge. But that's why general managers make big money. That's why they that's why they need to do it is that you want to have all of your ducks as much in a row as you can, though it's silly season and weird stuff happens all the time. Yeah, it's why Rob Palenka learned how to do this with his hands. <laughs> yes. um, all right, so you you talk about, actually you, you get into some of this on the latest episode of the Dunked On podcast. Um, and so let's next... You you mentioned Contavious Caldwell Pope. You talked about you mentioned Kyle Kuzma. We talked about Trez. We talked. We're re we're really interested in the value because I'm terrible at this game. Like, how much is this guy worth? What could he bring back? Would love to get some of your opinions on uh, the the assets that the Lakers actually do have, and practically speaking, what they might bring back. We'll do that next. <laughs> 
Locked on Lakers brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it's impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. And why would you pay 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts in a chain store or new dealership anyway? Well, you can get them for far less at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing the prices based on the market like the airlines do. Do not. Danny, get me started on the airlines. They are you should walk. Control. I don't know oh, it, how it, often you fly, but you really should walk. It's, it's, it's an getting, absolute racket, unless yeah. the airlines want to sponsor this podcast. Because they're case, great. They're right. a wonderful business. We, we owe a great debt of gratitude. We'll take it to the trains that. at that point. Those guys suck. Don't Rock Auto, <laughs> rockauto.com, family business. They've been serving auto park customers online for 20 years. Everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or your truck right locked on in the how did you hear us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Um, one of the fundamental things uh, Danny in silly season is the ability for Lakers fans to uh, inflate the value of their assets uh, of the team's assets. It's, it's, it's our specialty. It's what we do around here. Um, but the Lakers really did give away most of their valuable stuff in the Anthony trade, almost all of their draft capital that they control and so on and so forth. They control 2022 this or 20. 21 this year and then don't really control another pick i don't think until like 2027 um so that leaves guy kcp it leaves kyle kuzma it leaves a sign-in traded dennis schroeder um potentially the same with tht and alex caruso what is the value of some of these guys around the league who who has value who doesn't do you think the Lakers guys are actually an unusual challenge in that respect because they have a lot of eye of the beholder players. And so mm. Catavius Caldwell-Pope is probably the single best example of that, where KCP, not a huge role within the offense, but he generally makes the shots you ask of him and he plays hard on defense. And so some teams really want to have a guy like that. And KCP going to make $13 million this coming year, and then he has a partially guaranteed $14 million for the year after. I would say for teams that like him, that need somebody like KCP, it's probably close to neutral value. I don't think it's positive. Like, I mean, that's solid, you know, that's like low-end starter money. I think KCP is a low-end starter, and that's completely reasonable. Kuzma is hard because talented player, arguably in a very difficult situation to really spread his wings, and making 13 mil this year, next year, and then as a player option for the year after. And player options are always challenging for when you're selling general mentors because the assumption is the player is going to make the right decision. So if that's too much money for the player, then he'll opt in and then you have to pay him. And if it's too little money, then he'll opt out and become an unrestricted free agent. So I, I think of Kuzma, like I think of him as at this point as a high end reserve that could reestablish himself as a starter, but he's not quite there yet. So I would say he's slightly underwater, but I wouldn't be surprised if other GMs disagree. If somebody has him a little higher that they think, Kuzma's had real struggles with the Lakers, but it's a it's a different circumstance. And so if we, you know, give him the ball a little bit more, we put him in a situation where he can where he can get it, maybe he can find his stroke back and he can get can get the offensive verve. I mean, Kuzma, I remember watching him in summer league that first year. I hadn't watched any of him at Utah. I'm just like, wow, this guy's really talented. This guy's really skilled. And the Lakers haven't needed him to do as much. And that can be a challenge for a guy who's in his 20s and just, you know, trying to trying to find his way. And as much as LeBron makes life easier on his teammates. It also kind of narrows their role. And for mm -hmm. some guys, that's great. I think that's been great for KCP. And yes. for some guys, I think it's a little bit 
challenging. And I think that Kuzma is more in the second camp. So the challenge, though, for the Lakers, and you got at this with the uh, draft pick part of it, is that most really like desirable players are positive values on their country. Now, there are some, maybe it's because their contract's too long or it's too rich that get, it gets a little bit fraught. But the Lakers don't have a lot of like clear-cut positive, like, okay, this is a really good sweetener. Like, that's one way of putting it. And so... I mean, they're, and that makes sense. Their centerpieces all went to New Orleans for Anthony Davis, and they have a championship to show for it. I don't think they regret it one bit. And, you know, they would have been firmly in the mix this year had they been healthy. So I, I think that getting a lot better this year in from that respect will be difficult, but managing a few things on the periphery and, you know, getting, you know, figuring out, okay, this is the type of team we want to be, getting the right pieces around him that's really all the Lakers need to be a championship contender, if not the championship favorite, because they have two of the five, six best players in the league. Pretty easy to make it, make it in case for them that way. Schroeder and the Lakers, I think, are in a fascinating position right now with each other because I think both of them might be open to not being with each other moving forward, but they may be kind of stuck with each other um, between what the Lakers surrendered to give up uh, to to bring in Schroeder in that deal, and then Schroeder reportedly turning down an extension that could possibly and and, be, and uh, as you noted, Danny too, the the inability for the Lakers to really replace right. Schroeder with a, a similar caliber right, player. and then in the, and then Schroeder reportedly turning down an extension that may end up uh, above his perceived market value. Specifically, that though, what what do you think his market value would be, Danny? But also, do you think he's seen around the league as a quality starter? And I ask that not just because it's been like a debate between Brian and I over the course of this whole season. I I think he is more of a high-end reserve than somebody you'd want to start. But also, too, I think it's important because th this will have to do with how teams peg him for the league and in turn the, the type of money that he could get and leverage mm -hmm. against the Lakers. It's a great question, and I will admit that my own calibration is not necessarily in line because it's been that way since he was in Oklahoma City and since it was with Lakers. My stance on Truder personally, you know, as an analyst, for, but we'll get into the other stuff in a second, is that the main thing you want a point guard to be able to do is to be able to create reliable offense for themselves and others. Like, I think that is that is the basic goal, unless you have somebody bigger or different position who can do it. LeBron James, James Harden, you know, if you think Ben Simmons can do that, Ben Simmons, that sort of guy. And with Schroeder, generally speaking, I think he fails that test. I think you look at the Lakers, the offense without LeBron, OKC, when he played without Chris Paul, generally struggled offensively. And Schroeder can be, I think he can do well in other roles, in other boxes, but that's generally not the type of player that you give a lot of money to. Mm -hmm. And the problem for like why I think I am outside of at least part of the norm on this is that Schroeder has put up box score stats. He's gotten, you know, he's gotten credit for a lot of the things that have gone well in other situations. And it really only takes one or two front offices feeling more optimistic than I do to really drive that up. So I would say if Schroeder is a high end, if he, if he is seen as a high end reserve more in the line that I do, I would be thinking of Schroeder more as a 10 to $12 million a year player. However, it only takes one or two, probably two teams to think he's a starter to bump that to 18 or 19. Like that's, that's how stark the difference can be. Who's going to give him that money though. Like that, that's, that's an excellent, that, that that's I, excellent, I just, I look book. around the league and I cannot figure out where he gets that money. Right. And so, I mean, so if we, we start out with the, well, I think this is a good quick exercise to do of the teams that have 20 million or more in space 
and think about would they be interested in Schroeder? Charlotte, probably not. Possibly. No. I, I mean, depending no. on how I, I wouldn't expect it. Chicago, maybe, but I think they could have other priorities. Dallas, no. I think they have they would go in other directions. Memphis, no, they have Jaw. Miami, I mean, they have other guys that would be higher. Maybe as a Schroeder does not strike me as a Miami culture kind of guy. No, I agree, but they've they've been able to you know fit some square pegs in in their in the round hole there before, which has actually worked out pretty well. What's German for square peg? Because yeah. that's oh, I wish what I knew. What, what about fitting like well, an octagon? This <laughs> feels more like fitting an octagon. And there's no um, hole. You just have to jam it through whatever <laughs> surface that you're trying to use. And then so from that point, there are only four more teams that have have this level of cap space. Um, the Knicks. Maybe Thunder, no, especially after they got Kemba Walker. Maybe they trade Kemba, but they already have Shea Gilgis Alexander. Spurs, probably not. They have a billion guards already. And then Toronto, nobody knows what in the world they're doing, but probably not. I could so, see the Knicks, maybe. Yeah, I could see the Knicks, maybe. I mean, Leon Rose has generally done a good job, but I could see, I mean, they need somebody who could juice the offense a little bit. And if they want somebody who can play on and off ball next to Randall and RJ, it's possible. But so you look at that list and you're like, okay, there are a couple that are plausible, but if, a lot of those teams, you brought up the Knicks, like if they could get their hands on somebody like Conley or Lowry, maybe even Spencer Dinwiddie, depending on how they, how they feel about his ACL, I think they'd be higher. So Schroeder could be in a really difficult spot. And then he, the other op option, we already talked a little bit about signing trades, is that another team that doesn't have spending power could be interested in Schroeder, and then they'd have to send back some matching salary, which could either go to the Lakers or a third team. That's possible, but... I, I don't see a clear-cut real team there either. So that could lead itself to the situation that you brought up of like basically these sides being kind of tethered to each other, at least for the time being. And the challenge to some extent there is, you know, creating mutually acceptable terms. But you think about what that would be for the Lakers. Part of the goal there would be, I've previously, I, I used to call this something different, but it seemed a little bit callous. So now it's called the human trade exception where basically the idea is, in this case, it would be a longer contract because I don't think Schroeder wants a one-year deal. Maybe he does. We'll see. But if he basically the idea being that if you could, as the Lakers, one of your goals could be sign Dennis Schroeder to a contract that is manageable enough that six months from now, another team would be interested. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, then you can get back into silly season because if you let Schroeder go, then you basically lose that salary slot. And that was actually a part of the theory um, that th that people had with the Warriors and D'Angelo Russell back when they got him. Is they're like, well, if we let Kevin Durant go, then it's very hard for us to add a player worth twenty to thirty million. They ended up with Andrew Wiggins. We'll see how that works out. But so that could be a theory for the Lakers, assuming the Bus family is willing to pay it. That you you do that, you hope that his value stays level or above. You know, you hope that that it can be positive, and you get a good player who can help you. You know, even if Schroeder is imperfect. He's still better than He's still good. Nothing. Yeah, and, and that's exactly. this is this is what I think is is really fascinating about this because you watch Laker, you know, you hear I'm sure you hear from Laker fans on Twitter. You you know, you people oh no questions. never never Lakers no. fans are very they, they don't they don't respond at all. Very demure. They're the Canada of fans. Um, like you know, they're they're sending questions into you and Nate. They're doing all kinds of stuff for your mailbag, but like, and they they don't like Schroeder because he had some very high profile failings in the playoffs and you know short as they were what is the gap though between the the, the quality player of Schroeder and you know, like John Hollinger your colleague at the Athletic has a really great um series of, of columns out that will keep growing as we get closer to free agency that kind of approximates the potential value of of free agents that are out there he pegs Schroeder to your point at about 11 and a half million 
if you don't sign him, the Lakers really only have that, you know, mid-level, that, that's the smaller mid-level, setting aside for a second whether or not you'd want to have to use it on a guard that you just let go to replace that spot. What quality, what level player could they get? Are you left with Raul Neto? Um, you know, could you get campaign? I mean, are you stuck with Lou Williams? Like what what could you get for that five million if that's what you wanted to spend it on? So uh, just as a, as a point, Cordy, there would be an outside-outside shot that the Lakers could use the uh, $9.5 million non-taxpayer mid-level. Mm-hmm. Um, it would just depend on a few other things. So Schroeder going out, that opens up some spending power, but not a ton. Um, but probably it's going to be the 5.9. And one of the other consequences that if, if you want to use that on a point guard is it means you can't use it on anything else. It's not Correct. something that can, that can you know, mitosis or meiosis and just grow into two. And then all of a sudden, I mean, the Lakers are trying yeah, to argue it's, this. You it's get a suboptimal, to say the least. It is. And so I think you're probably now a player could take less because the Lakers would be offering something great. They'd be offering potentially a starting and closing role on a title contender. So maybe then you can get into the Derek Rose, George Hill, Goran Dragic, Patty Mills group. But I think you're more campaign, maybe Reggie Jackson. I think you're probably in that in that kind of a range. Um, Neto, I think of more as a I think that would be very disappointing to Reggie Jackson. <laughs> I agree. I think Jackson I think Jackson could get 10 mil, but maybe he'd rather be on, you know, be starting on the Lakers like that or starting and closing. Like that's a pretty good gig. Um, but I think this is the time for Jackson to cash in. Might even be the co-tenants at Staples for the time being. I but would think I, so. I, I would think so as well. And, and so I but you're probably looking yeah, maybe like, I would say like campaign, George Hill, probably something in that vein. I actually think, you know, George Hill, he he's, he's imperfect, but I like that he can defend and he can shoot threes. I mean, he did incredibly well at the Bucks two years ago. But as I mentioned, tying up the mid-level exception with that means that all of the other avenues that the Lakers could improve, they're basically left to minimum contracts. And that isn't, Great. I mean, the Lakers right. can do better with minimum contracts than basically any other team in the league because in certain cases they can offer playing time and in certain cases they can offer the prestige of playing for a glamour franchise that's competing for championships. Like a minimum contract the Lakers is better than almost anywhere else, but it's still a minimum contract. Yeah. So if you're offering a $5 million player $2 million, sometimes they'll take it. Sometimes they'll say, hey, that's $3 million less. Well, on the other hand, if you listen to our show uh, for Wednesday, as you know, we know, we believe that LeBron could, like Chris Paul could sign for a minimum and LeBron could just give him 60 or $70 million and yeah. don't tell anyone. He's that uh, rich. I, I, I will note very briefly that that is circumvention and the league now, there are allegations. Are you sure? Like, Have you actually seen that written down? Like you're not allowed to do that? Oh, by the way, I need to correct myself really quickly on this, Brian. I'm glad you brought this up. When we were talking about this scheme uh, we noted that Chris Paul, he'll have to resign as a president of the Players Association because you you can't, as the president, take that far below your market value. Like it sets a bad precedent around no, the was, league. I, I mean, that's been there was that idea of like Chris Paul opting out and taking the right. level, and it right. was like even if Chris Paul, even if that's what he wants to do, and can't, at yeah. thirty six, right. he has earned the right to do whatever he wants. I but, agree with you; he would have to step down. To the player right, but but what I had incorrect though, and, and again, I want to correct myself. We care a lot about accuracy uh, when coming up with these <laughs> schemes. Um, I had said that LeBron James would have to resign as vice president of the Players Association because as somebody holding that status. He would or should object to Chris doing that as well. It turns out LeBron is no longer VP of the uh, Players Association. He gave that up correct. a couple years ago. Right. Done so and it, done. So it's it, it's even easier now. Like yeah, there's my, one there's one layer 
of complication that's now gone. Like Chris Paul can't do that. Could he theoretically have a clause in a shoe contract that says if you play for the Lakers, you make an extra 10 million? I believe that is not circumvention. So if you there are there are ways to scheme this and make it legal. Not that I need to draw the ire of 29 other families. My current plan plan has LeBron and uh, Chris Paul opening a car wash together. Or um, I mean, and you could also do the math from there. You could also hire Cliff Paul as a <laughs> as a consultant, or maybe make it so that a different insurance company gives him twenty five million dollars a can year. Maybe that would your, be. A- can you put in your contract that if you sign with the Lakers, you get an extra sixty million dollars from Spring Hill Entertainment? Like, is that allowable? <laughs> Spring Hill. So I would be, this is actually something I would actually love to this ask. The best the use of a cap expert ever. Is if, like, but so like, it is different if it's something that's connected with a player. Like I would be very interested in like actually asking, you know, somebody in the, in the office that, the, because, you know, it's kind of like an advisory ruling for, for the Supreme court where it's like, what would you do in this circumstance? Right. But yeah, I mean, so Look, let, let's get to Alex Crusoe's bird rights because that's significantly <laughs> more fun than talking about how much they it's, can take Chris Paul it's, out of the game. It's, it's, it's just it, – look, I mean, we it was fundamental to the script of Space Jam and New Legacy 2 that all play the lead, and his quote is $90 million. We had no idea. It just – it is what it is. Um, you mentioned THT and uh, you just Alex Crusoe right there, and you also said something about um, – the the attraction, the lure of minimum deals that I want to ask you about as well, because I do wonder if next year especially that might be slightly less true than it typically would be. We'll do all that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. This week is always tons of sports action on the go, including MLB, UFC, MMA. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop, your mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Danny, it must be very exciting for you to be on a, a show with such innovative, out-of-the-box thinkers as ourselves. Hey, it's it, it's a fun experience, and honestly, you know, like it's you think at the various times that I've done, you know, ver- different pieces, getting asked basic questions can sometimes lead you to really interesting things. I mean, I think back to um, my my friend Andy Liu, who who writes for various different places. Oh, we love like, Andy. Andy. Yeah, yeah. So Andy is the, I give him credit. He's the first person to ask me like, so how could like actually the mechanics of like how could the Warrior sign Kevin Durant? And I was like, oh, I just turned that into a piece, and then turned it into a piece, and then two pieces and then everything else that happened. Not saying I'm the reason it happened. I'm certainly not. But like those are, it's very important to kind of, to understand like what level you need to get to. And like the Lakers are actually a great, as they have been at other times, like I used Jordan Clarkson years ago to explain the, uh, the Gilbert Arenas rule. Yeah. And there are a bunch of other, like they've actually been at the forefront and LeBron James individually has been at the forefront. A lot of those types of like ways to explain things in terms that are more accessible because I understand that this stuff is difficult. That's part of why I have a job. Well, you're welcome then. Uh, Andy, go part ahead. Of, and part of why we have a job is to come exactly. up with absolutely ridiculous scenarios <laughs> to bring Chris Paul under the table to the Lakers. Uh, we, you mentioned Alex Caruso. What, what do you see? He's really interesting in terms of the market value for a guy who's like a borderline specialist you know, with defense. And I also think, and correct me if you disagree, that he's most useful on a high-end team, like he's a little too old, doesn't really have the upside that would make sense for a rebuilding team or even like a low-end contender. 
But in the right scenario, which includes, by the way, the Lakers, I think he's really, really valuable. I agree. But generally speaking, you you calibrate it based on how many teams would really want to have this player. And with Caruso, mm -hmm. I brought up earlier with Schroeder that the most important thing a point guard size guy can do is create offense for himself and others. Caruso is not great at that. He nope. is good at many other things, and that's part of why he's useful to the Lakers. So if I had to guess, so there's the the smaller, the taxpayer mid-level is 5.9 million. And then there's the larger 9.5. I like that they're reciprocals this year. It's kind of <laughs> nice. And the 5.9, 9.5. Mm -hmm. And that's for teams that are over the cap, but not deep into the tax. You know, you could think of their various squads in that situation this year. I think it's very possible that there are offers for Crusoe around that 5.9 million. But I don't think that there are a ton at that 9.5. That's a lot of money. Ooh. That means, you know, there, there aren't going to be that many. There, a, a, there aren't that many teams this year that are going to use the 9.5 because the cap isn't going up that much. Right. And so there, there just isn't that much spending power. So I think Caruso, you know, in that five to seven, eight million dollar range is there. But the nice thing for the Lakers is that they have what are called full bird rights on Caruso. And what that means is the Lakers can sign Caruso to any amount based technically between his minimum and his maximum. And it's allowed. They don't have to use any other exception. It's just bird rights. And so that theoretically would allow them to sign and trade him if they wanted, but it's also to retain Caruso for their own uses. So that means that if both sides want to want to come back, all they have to do is negotiate terms. There are no other hurdles to jump through, unlike some other players, like bringing in new guys, for example. Right. With and with THT, there was some there was some talk at the beginning of the year that teams, because he was playing so well and was kind of, you know, and all that might do uh, you know, the poison pill thing at the end of his deal to make it very difficult for the Lakers to sign him. And so uh, his play, while very exciting for a 20-year-old second-round pick, did level off a little bit to the point where I, I, it's hard for me to picture somebody offering him $20 million plus in year, year three and four of, of a contract. But what do you think his market value might be? Because ideally, from a, from a roster standpoint, the Lakers really need to bring back both THT and Caruso and probably Schroeder based on what we were talking about before. I heard some of that chatter as well. And the way just to, just to get out there in one minute or less, the mm -hmm. way that would work is the contract can't go above that higher mid-level exception for two years. And then it could theoretically go all the way to his maximum. That's what happened with Omar Ashik. That's what happened with Jeremy Lin in the same offseason, And it hasn't really happened since. And there actually is a new tool. They changed this a couple of years ago. Theoretically, were the Lakers to have to deal with that kind of an offer sheet and want to match it, they can choose between having the salary, you know, go that, you know, 9 million, 9 million, then up to 20 or whatever, doing it that way. Or they could choose to average it. It'd be interesting to see what they would do. They, they basically did that so the teams wouldn't get completely worked by the by kind of other teams' financial structures. But I don't think that's going to matter too much with Horton Tucker. I like him. I think that he can defend. I'm intrigued by what he can do with the ball in his hands. But, I mean, the idea that he could get, let's say, like an average of $15 million a year, I think that that would be a team saying, he's definitely a starter right now. And right. Instead of he could be. And I think that's what could lead to Horton Tucker getting something more in the seven to nine million dollar range like that's the fun thing the difference between THG and Crusoe like Crusoe was more valuable to the Lakers last year he helped them win significantly obviously more in the 2020 championship season but Crusoe's I believe 27 Horton Tucker's 20 
And it's, you know, the mystery box of this guy, maybe he can, maybe in the next three years, he can work on his jump shot. And then if, if he can do that and he can play a little bit on ball, play a little bit off ball and defend, can do that. So I wouldn't be stunned to see a team dip into the, like the richer, right. the non-taxpayer mid-level. Because he's got, say, he's got more potential value to another team that can give him 25 minutes a night next year in ways the Lakers may not be able to. Right. And there, there aren't that many players that are young and at around that level. So you can think about former Laker Josh Hart. I like Josh Hart a lot, former MVP of Summer League. He's 26. So would a team be more interested in a more raw player who's 20 or a 26-year-old who also hasn't proven himself to be a starter yet, just mostly opportunity? So like THT, I think there is an argument there for him. Um, And the restricted class is very weird because there are a couple of guys that are going to get, you know, significant money. John Collins and Duncan Robinson and potentially maybe Gary Trent Jr. and Jared Allen. But then that kind of like next tier down is actually pretty weak. And so, you know, maybe some teams like Kendrick Nunn or Devontae Graham better or Mitchell Robinson, depending on what happens with his option. So I could see Horton Tucker being kind of the bell of that ball Mm -hmm. and getting, getting that kind of money. But having a team with cap space, like we've already brought up that list, it's like eight teams that do it to really make this difficult I I don't see it. I, it's possible. It's plausible, but I don't think it's likely. My last thing for you, Danny, is you know is about that minimums thing because that is always the idea that the you know, the Lakers, especially a Lakers team with LeBron, AD, obviously a a, a clear title contender. I think the odds came out uh, on Wednesday about year's championship to the Lakers and the Nets are right at the top of that, and I think that makes sense. Given how many, I am one. Though, given how many teams can legitimately next year think, you know what, we got a shot, like a real shot at this, there could be a lot of places where guys could look at it and say, I could go win a title there, I could go win a t- title there. And some of them are some attractive places to play. How how concerned do you think the Lakers ought to be that some of those targets, which may be easier to get in a typical year, might be harder to get this year at a minimum? They should be concerned for those reasons, but also because there there aren't that many free agents that are like really good this year and so like it's there's been a weird culling of kind of supply and demand because all those players including ad who signed extensions and so what that's led to is there isn't that much money out there but there also are not that many players worth it so maybe it's a player is considering the mid-level exception versus the minimum and that's that's tough whether we're the 5.9 one like Let's say somebody like Nicola Batum. Like if Nicola Batum were on the table and he can look at 5.9 million with another team versus a minimum with Lakers, let's say they have to use the MLE on a point guard or something. Like that's that's hard. And the Lakers are in that mix. I think what it's really going to come down to, you brought up the the like championship contender. That is a consideration. Also, you know, market size, team prestige, those matter too. But the thing that the Lakers for certain positions can offer is playing time. And so if mm-hmm. you are a, you know, like this is the idea with Wes Matthews. This is the idea with, you know, kind of, to me, it's a, I would actually say that works for a forward size guy, unless for whatever reason, they don't have a point guard, in which case, yeah, you could make that argument. And so if you're as the Lakers going to somebody and saying your choice is between being our sixth or seventh band and being the fourth forward on the nets, well, maybe that's different, but if you play it, you know, play a different position, you know, like the nets have the guard line pretty well settled with all their dudes. I think that you're you're going after different players. You're making a different sales pitch. But I agree with you that it could be it could be difficult. 
The other thing that might end up kind of going in the Lakers' favor, though, is this is going to be a very weird market. And I think we could see some players that say next year, you know, there's going to probably be more optimism. There's going to almost definitely be a lot more money around the league. I'd rather, you know, this was kind of in some ways the theory that Montrezl Harrell used. We'll see if it works out of this is a place to stabilize or rebuild my value. And we and have a good time while I'm doing it, you know, try to try to do, you know, in a way, in a certain way, like what Rajon Rondo did last year, two years ago now, I guess. And that might happen. It might not. And uh, I so I think that relying on the minimum, unless they have very good intel for some for some sort of reason that that something's going to come through in the clutch for them. I think that it is it, it is something that you need to think about. And the other challenge, and this is actually, I think, what, what you guys are getting at is a really interesting question, is the buyout market. Because there will mm. be more players that become free agents later on. And that, you know, at that point, you're going to be competing. But, the, you know, the whole game board is going to be shuffled up a little bit. So teams will have injuries and everything else. Uh, Danny, thank you so much for being able to come on and explain how the Lakers are going to get Kyle Lowry and Mike Conley uh under the cap i didn't think it was possible uh and still that sign and trade for DeRozan, andy that was the, uh, you, you got to read between the lines of what danny's <laughs> that's, saying that's but what once, i took away but from once it. you once you really get in tune with it it's all pretty obvious um this was a, a lot of fun and super informative <laughs> apologize we, for ruining all your credibility Danny. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it it's already ruined <laughs> uh he is danny larue salary cap and nba expert at the athletic his stuff is great you should make it there listen to him on the dunked on podcast with nate duncan and the and real gm radio both podcasts worth your time um thanks so much for coming on man we really appreciate it it's great to meet you i don't think we've ever actually like met met before yeah maybe that'll happen at some point sooner but yeah. be nice definitely yeah. be nice thank you man